Well, so, years ago, they would put you in an asylum. Right. Yeah. Right. So from their generation, from the boomers generation. But I do find that very shocking. So basically what they're looking for is they were looking for a reason. Like, yeah. for example, if you um, were suicidal or right. if it's going to cost them something or yeah. if huge mental health issues. So but the fact is that companies. they even asked you that, like that just creates barriers for people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that since COVID, so when I got my uh, designation, my registration five years ago, most insurance companies do not cover registered clinical counselor. They only covered psychologist and psychiatrist, which now uh, in our system, those only work in the medical system. They're not private practice. Welcome to Let's Not Sugarcoat It, a podcast about the real, raw, and unfiltered side of motherhood. We're your hosts, Bella, Alex, and Amy. Let's get into it, ladies. Well, hello, hello again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening. Today's <laughs> guest is my lovely friend, Lisa Moore. Um, she has a career, she had a career in sales and marketing for the last 20 years. She began her career working for FedEx in sales, then worked in the medical device industry as a manager for 15 years. Are you old enough to... With for these numbers, <laughs> then she worked for a regional railway as a director in business development. After her son was born, she wanted to travel less. She went back to school and graduated with her master's in counseling psychology and opened up a multidisciplinary that was something I had to practice multidisciplinary <laughs> clinic called Cross, Crossroads Collective in Langley, BC. Um, The medical clinic offers counseling for children and adults, including play therapy, couples counseling, divorce and meditation, behavioral therapy, art therapy, and music therapy. Crossword Collective works with neurotypical and neurodiverse clients and does a lot of work in advocacy for children for resources within the school district, community, and the home by applying for various grants for families in need. The clinic also offers hypnotherapy, Reiki, massage, yoga, um, and is focusing on healing from trauma. Welcome. Welcome. That's yes, a lot Lisa, of things. Yeah, yeah. She does it all. She does that it all. Awesome. And she, yeah. yeah. And then Lisa <laughs> did also open a new clinic recently in Kelowna. So yeah. we're super excited to have you here yeah. and uh, just kind of pick your brain on what is happening. Tell us a little bit on what drove you to become a counselor or not a counselor, a, a psychologist. Well, so I'm a registered clinical counselor. Um, when I was a little kid, this actually degree didn't even exist. You had to be a psychiatrist or like a doctor. So it was like 10 years education. Uh, so back then, uh, living on my own, trying to support myself, that wasn't possible. So I ended up doing the next best thing, which was to make money, which is what I did was go into business. And I really enjoy helping people. So I enjoyed helping people, you know, through selling a product or meeting a need. But at the end of the day, after getting severanced out several times and just working for big companies, uh, incorporated large scale companies, I just got tired of, it was all about the numbers, right? It really, really wasn't about helping people. So it was a big decision because I was the main earner in our family and uh, I had to go back to school to do now my master's that existed, which was, should have been a three-year program, but it was seven years part-time. Uh, so I did that while continuing to work and then finally had to make the call and just quit the job and and just finish my my master's. But to answer, that was a long-winded um, answer to a question is basically, I want to be able to help other people. Right. And so at that time I'd had my son and I was 36 and I had postpartum depression. Mm. 
So that's when, and I was still working because I didn't take maternity leave. Right. Uh, and that's where sort of my world collided and I figured out I needed to do something for myself. Uh, so was able to take that break, go back to school, deal with my own mental health, right? So uh, I think also as an older woman having a baby, having postpartum, not wanting this baby because you don't realize that you're suffering from postpartum. There's a lot of guilt and shame around that. Yeah. So I really had to work through that. So I sort of had like my own spiritual awakening and in seeing my own counselor, I was like, huh. And that's when I discovered that this degree was available and I'd had quite a bit of the, the prerequisites to be able to apply. So that's sort of how I fell into it. Um, and then through that journey, um, I was able to learn a lot more about uh, neurodiverse kids, basically, because as you study in the program. So then I was like, huh, I think maybe I think maybe my kids have autism. And huh, I think maybe my other child has oppositional defiance disorder. And then huh, I think I have ADHD. <laughs> so that's sort of what opened my world to sort of advocate for um, myself primarily and then mm -hmm. for my children. And yeah. in so doing, by learning about my children and different programs available, that's how I fell into working with families of neurodiverse and neurotypical children, but navigating the system to be able to get those diagnoses and then the supports and the funding and everything else that comes with it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So Good when you say neurodiverse and neurotypical, can you explain that a little bit yeah. for us? Okay. This yeah, is, this is, let's, let's get down and dirty here. Let's so we used it. to be able to say special needs, right? And so now in our community, in terms of the language, uh, not what? only the language that we're trying to use just in everyday talk, but also in the school curriculums, they're changing that language because mm -hmm. they don't... Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and it's sometimes hard to like, cause I'm so used to saying I have special needs kids. So I have to think neurodiverse, neurotypical. Right. And you sort of catch yourself up on it. Like you actually, when you asked me a question earlier, you had to think about exactly how to say that. Yes. Right. Yes. So yeah. So we're changing the languages. We're breaking the barriers. Love yeah, that. So neuro, so explain a little bit what each of those are. So neurotypical so is just like a yeah, kids like your kids with no, no kids or adults with no diagnosis. Okay, and neurodiverse would be somebody who has a diagnosis of autism, ADHD, mm. Down syndrome, uh, perhaps even an intellectual disability. So it's a large community in that neurodiverse. I love yeah. that. That's such a great yeah. word. Too. It is. It is a like, it's a great yeah. word. It's well, if you think about it, like before it was special needs, but now. If I, if I say as an adult, I figured I have ADHD, I am neurodiverse yeah. because I think about things. I have, I, I'm the ideal lady, right? So things come at me rapid fire. My brain never stops. But before the connotation was that your special needs, if you have ADHD, right. in fact, ADHD is a diagnosis in the medical system in the diagnostic, the DSM, the, that's basically the Bible of all the diagnosis. Yeah. And it's not. It's, it's, it's not uh, a disease. It's not, it, it shouldn't be labeled that, but it is, unfortunately. I think it's just our life. So I that begs the question then, uh, I mean, sort of when you were saying, I think there's probably a lot more of us that are neurodiverse than there are neurotypical. It's going to just start to be, we're all just one big collective. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the thing with the school system, right? That's why I think they want to change the language. Yeah is because we shouldn't be taking these children, right? And isolating them. They should be part of the bigger group and getting the support right. services in the classroom rather than taking kids out of the that. classroom. Yeah, that mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, And even for myself, like um, I have sensory issues, right? So sounds really bother me. So I remember when I was in sales, I used to go into Earl's and have these business meetings because I had expense accountants like a good restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> so why not? <laughs> I like your thinking, Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> but the noise, right? You know, when you go in there sometimes, especially yeah. actually when it's not that busy mm -hmm. and I find that like I do a lunch meeting, so at noon, Earl's opens at like 11. So they're doing all the setup. 
And so they keep the volume up, not realizing. So I'd come in and I'm preparing for the business meeting and it's driving me crazy. The noise is actually hurting my brain. They actually are noticing that sometimes with people who have issues with sensory issues with noise, it's actually affecting the pain center of your brain. Interesting. So it's, it's actually like, it's like stabbing needles in my brain. So what I Kaylee would go, was doing yesterday. <laughs> yeah. With the tapping of I, the I am with you with the, with the noise. I can't. I, I, with you, sensory in general, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. So I would go to the manager or whatever, to the server and say, can you please turn down the music? And they wouldn't, right? And yeah. then whoever I'm with, or if I was with my husband, he's like, stop being a Karen. <laughs> so now when I go to the restaurant, I actually advocate for myself because now I know I have ADHD. Mm-hmm. So I actually say, hey, can you please turn down the music because I'm neurodiverse and I have sensory issues. Boom. Music yeah. goes down. Yeah. Wow. Right? Yeah, so I don't something. have to suffer. Yeah. yeah. So for yeah. me, it's a really powerful tool when we talk about neurodiversity. I'm not, I'm not special needs. I'm just different. My needs are different. Like yeah. everybody's yeah. needs are different. Yeah. But I bet you there's a few people in that restaurant that were like, oh, thank goodness they turned down the music. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there was. Somebody advocated yeah. for all of us. And that's me. Yes. I'm always like, turn down the music. Yeah. I know. Like, over. Yeah, grandma. But yeah. it's like, yeah, it does. I, I, I do it at that. home all the time. My husband's always blasting. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Turn it down. Turn yeah. it down. <laughs> yeah. So. My husband does this in his chair at night with he clicks with his fingers. Oh yeah. Stop it. He's like, you can hear that. I'm like, I can hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I love that wording. And uh yeah, that neurodiverse. I love mm-hmm. that. I love that. So with, you know, you're being in the mental health realm, I guess, uh, there's so much so much need out there right now, you know, supporting. Um, and we're going to talk about a little bit of like women in general, mothers, mm-hmm. um, just because, you know, there's so much going on yeah. in this world today that may have not gone on when our parents were younger, yeah. right? To deal with. And then there's a transition, like we're, we're, we're kind of the generation that's like, we're the test dummies, with yeah. everything, right? With the technology, with with everything, so much, so much information, so much sensory stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just getting bombarded um, yeah. with all that kind of stuff. So, how would you, how would you, you know, tell women to like what what should they look for um, for signs? I guess what I'm trying to say is is you know to when to seek help because there is a stigma in you know going and seeing a counselor, psychologist, psychiatrist still to this yeah. day. Like I know my, my parents. I think it's in that generation more though than ours. Yeah. 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 I mean, my kids now they're like, you know, cause my kids see one of Lisa's counselors mm-hmm. um, because we did have, you know, death in our family, which was really traumatic. And she goes and she's like, yeah, um, yeah, I, I need to see my counselor. And she's proud of it. Like she yes, goes good. and she, and she loves Amanda Yeah, and she's, you know, she, can't wait to see and she talks about it right so I as a mom feel really good that she's able to talk about that mental Mm -hmm. health but I feel like there's still you know who uh we were talking to uh one of our friends the other day and and for insurance purposes well that was me oh that was you yeah I said that when I was because I met a counselor 
for years. Like I'm not seniors often now, but like when I did my home insurance, I, they were like, and are you seeing anybody for uh, like a counselor or anything like that? How long have you had this counselor? And I said two plus years because I'd had her for that long. Like, yeah. you know, whatever chat, like I thought everybody does this. But anyway, so then they were like, that's a really long time to have a counselor. And they had to look into it and they're like, you don't have a diagnosis of like, uh, depression, anxiety, whatever. And so they were like flagging me to find out about what mental health issue they like for that, insurance, for insurance. Wow. it made that's me shock, so pissed yeah. yeah yeah so that's why I was like you know there is a stigma we we <laughs> think bit, yeah. there's a stigma from the other generation but you went to get insurance and there's still that there yeah okay yeah. I see what you mean by that right. I was thinking more like I think there's a like it's pretty normal in like our age group let's say to be like oh yeah I went to a counselor whereas yeah. our parents it's like a Oh yeah, like I have to see yeah, a counselor. Don't tell anybody like, or don't tell anyone. There's something, wrong with yeah. you. there's something wrong. They yeah. won't insure you. They won't yeah. give you this. They won't, you know, yeah. like. Well, full. years ago they would put you in an asylum, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So from their generation, from the boomers' generation, but I do find that very shocking. So basically, what they're looking for is they were looking for a reason. Like, yeah. for example, if you. Um, or suicidal, right. or if it's going to cost them something, or yeah. if huge mental health issues. So, but the fact is that companies. they even asked you that. <laughs> like that just creates barriers for people. Yeah, and I have to say that since COVID, so when I got my uh, designation, my registration five years ago. Most insurance companies did not cover registered clinical counselor. They only covered psychologist and psychiatrist, which now uh, in our system, those only work in the medical system. They're not private practice. So the way, so the, so the, the idea of going to see a psychiatrist of sitting on the couch is now you do that with a registered clinical counselor. So five years ago, most insurance companies actually didn't accept the designation. But ever since COVID hit, most companies are now adding mm-hmm. clinical counseling, registered clinical counselor to that. And so I think that the barriers are opening because they they figured out COVID was good and that companies were like, people are really messed up. So bringing that to the forefront to be like, mental health is okay. You know, I think Bell Media, they do that mental health. Uh, they've been doing it for about yeah, 10 Bell years. Yeah, Bell Talks or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, but... So what I'm finding is that now companies are encouraging their employees to go and do it. They're adding it to the plan. But even though those companies, this is what the irony is, the companies are adding this service to the plan. But when you go to apply for the insurance, they're asking you those intake questions mm-hmm. to preclude you from getting the service. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. messed up. That's messed so up. So that tells me it's like we look good on paper yeah. that yeah. we're doing our part, but we don't really want to have you We don't really want to cover this. you. Yeah, or, exactly. Or they're selling the plan to the company that's yeah. paying for the service. Yeah. But when you go to use the service, they're finding barriers for you to access the service. Yeah. So this could be a large part of what the breakdown of our society is. Yeah. It's there, oh. but you're not able to tap into it. So as Isabella said, um, are you, you're probably seeing a large rise since COVID in, in mental health in general. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we were really scared at first because we just opened up our clinic in Langley, but we've surpassed our goals and more importantly, Importantly, we've been able to offer services, not only to people have insurance, but we've been able, because of the increase in demand, we've been able to offer low, co- low cost or no cost counseling to oh, other I love people that. in the community. Yeah. That's so wow. good because I, I was just thinking about how, like even when people have health plans, right? Like some of them are, mine's pretty good because it's through my husband's at the university, right? But my friend, who's like a nurse, she has $500 of counseling available to her for the year. That's like three sessions, maybe, 
But unlimited massage. Yeah, but unlimited <laughs> massage. It just makes no sense. I know. It's, it's the same for it's, us, it's right? Because we had uh, my other girls, she, she's seeing a psychologist. Right. Right. So the sessions are 225 yeah. an hour. Like, yeah, I mean, we can go through the plan, but then what? I mean, we can't mm-hmm. continuously be spending that you much money. There's a lot of people like me. We don't have plants. My yeah. husband and I are both, we have our own businesses. Self-employed. We don't have yeah. that. And I got to be honest, we do not have a budget for it. Yeah. We don't. My kids could probably very much benefit from something, but it's just not in the budget and we don't have any kind of plan. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of people like us too, right? So when we have to do our master's degree, we have to do a practicum mm-hmm. or an internship, depending on the university. So uh, with the rise of online programs, there's a rise of people taking the Masters of Counseling Psychology program, but they don't have any practicum sites because of COVID, everything shut down. So when uh, my my business partner, Marianne and I, we own the Crossroads Collective together, um, we sort of thought, huh, why don't we become an internship site? Because then we can actually train the people that we bring on in regards to our sort of our clinical outlook, um, the kind of services we want to provide, but also by giving back to the community, by training these people who are spending, you know, $50,000 on their education Mm -hmm. and not finding practicum sites. Mm -hmm. So, and then we can offer them employment after they finish. So, because we spend a lot of time training with it, it is a win-win. And so that's how we offer either they're very low cost or no cost. So we sort of have a formula, right? But our but our intention is that we never turn anyone away. We will never let your economics be a barrier to access to care. Oh, that's that's that. wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Very, I yeah. mean, yeah, you started out saying like you got into it because you love helping people and clearly that's what you're doing. Yeah. On a mass level. So yeah. it's cool. Yeah. So what are you seeing? Uh, you know, I'm sure this is a broad spectrum, but what would you say is something that, um, well, let's start with, you know, women that you're seeing. Yeah. What, what's, what's the challenges? And then what's the challenges with kids these days? And I'm sure it's a far and wide reach, but yeah. what are some of the things? So I'm not meaning to be derogatory when I say this, but I sort of call it the housewives of Kelowna. Yeah. Right. In essence, like every single thing that could come out if you're a mother, if you're, um, even if you're, uh, if you're a single mom, if you're married, uh, if you're working, if you're not working, basically it's anxiety. Predominantly, it's, it's not depression so much. It's anxiety is what I'm seeing as a whole across mm-hmm. adults and children. And it's because our world is so fast. Yes. Right. Think about your phones. Mm-hmm. How many times it gets dated? I actually wasn't feeling that great this weekend. Uh, so I didn't answer my phone. And I probably had like 600 emails. Wow. So on Monday morning, do I really want to get out of bed and answer those 600 emails? Not a chance. Now there's WhatsApp, there's text, there's like, there's so many things coming at you all the time. That's such a good insight, Lisa. Yeah. So whether you're an adult or your child, it's just this fast moving environment. And what if you can't keep up? Mm. Right. Then am I enough if Mm. I can't keep up with everybody else? Mm -hmm. Can I stop to actually experience my feelings? Or do I just keep bottling it up, keep doing what I'm doing until I finally break down? Right. That's, yeah. that's, I know that's what I've been, yeah. you know, suffering I through the that. last, you know, two yeah. months. Yeah. Because as you may know that, you know, my dad did pass away suddenly. And, uh, <laughs> sorry. No. Yeah. I wasn't going to do this, but thanks to Lisa, yeah. I'm seeing somebody. And I'm able to actually feel Mm -hmm. because everything was coming at me. 
mm-hmm. so fast. My mom couldn't deal, but so I had to take over. I'm the only child. Nobody's, there's nobody else, right? Like, and then I had the children, right? And my husband works out of town. So it was, it was, is a lot and it's still a lot because we're still dealing with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're done with the funeral. We're, we're done with all of that. Yeah. But there's all this other shit that you need to take care of. My mom doesn't speak English very well, you know, like she doesn't, she doesn't understand. And right now she's on medication, you know, that also like kind of alters yeah. her, her thinking. Um, so yeah, so it, I didn't know, like actually Lisa offered and I, because like, I wasn't reaching out. I didn't know I needed help until, you know, Lisa came and she's like, listen, I can do this for um, your family. And I'm so grateful. Aww. I'm so grateful because my kids are starting to deal with things yeah. and mm-hmm. I'm starting, obviously, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was uh, yeah, I was bottling that, sh- that all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to cry. I wasn't allowed to feel because if I feel, I'd be like my mom on the floor. Yeah you know, breaking yeah. down. And I didn't have that space. I feel still a little bit, I don't have the space, but now I do that hour that yeah. I have, you know, just for myself, just yeah. to talk about the stuff that I didn't even know I needed to talk about and process. Yeah. So I think it is so important to reach out and and do this for yourself with whatever you're going through. But yeah, yeah I was not expecting it. And my life was already fast paced. Yes. yes. Right. And then you <laughs> all you do this, it on a regular day. Right. <laughs> and then and then we added this. Like this was life changing, altering. Like we have a new way of being now. Yeah. You know, that mm. as a huge yeah, change. Huge like shift, I, we right? had somebody for, you know, I'm 43 now. My mom, you know, 66 and they've been together for 47 years, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, like to lose somebody so quickly and so suddenly. It is yeah, and I want to acknowledge that because the thing <laughs> is with the trauma, like we all experience trauma in different ways, but yeah. this particular trauma, um, because it was unexpected, mm-hmm. the impact of it is even more so. Interesting. Right. And it actually sort of, because it came out of the blue, it makes you question everything about your world mm. because your world was pretty safe. Yeah. But now the world isn't safe because now, you know, bad things can happen at any mm. time. So that's again, that anxiety that you're also living with. Yeah. And then you want to protect your mom. You want to protect the kids. So you have this huge, you feel this huge responsibility. So you're being, to, to go back to your original question was, um, how do women, how should they know if they need to get counseling? So what happened is, is that, you know, your cup is full. Mm-hmm. And then you start emptying the cup, emptying the cup. And then all of a sudden you don't have that energy or your cup is empty, but you don't realize your cup is empty. Mm-hmm. It's like you're, you got gas in your gas tank, but you don't look at the mm. odometer and then you figure out, oh, I'm out of gas. But by then you're crushed or you're on the side of the road without gas, down, yeah. right? So that that's the thing that, so I see that in a lot of women. And I also see women that come in for like one session and then either they don't have the financial means or they don't feel that they're sick enough. Mm. or I'll often find there'll be uh, about 50% of people cancel from the first session because they call when they're in duress, right? When they actually need help. And mm-hmm. then afterwards, you know, a few days later when they're supposed to show up for their session, they're like, well, am I really that sick? Do I need to go? Yeah. Do yeah. I need to go? Or yeah. do I need to put groceries on the table or, right? But that, uh, do, you, do you think maybe that's a little bit of not wanting to deal a little bit too maybe? Or, Hardly. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. Afraid, if you're afraid. Yeah. Um, and then also I would say typically like our population is about 90% women, 10% men. Mm. 
because men don't admit that they need help. Mm-hmm. Yes, they've yeah. not been they've not been built, uh, grown that way. They've not been taught that way in life, right? Yeah. To to ask for support. Yeah. So we are sort of a changing generation because we can introduce mental health to our boys, to our right to the little boys. Yeah. So we do child play therapy, which mm-hmm. is truly amazing, and we have boys and girls. But parents are bringing the little boys in three, four years old, you know, and they're doing the same thing. They want to go back and talk to their counselor. So I really think that we're changing. We're, we're changing the outlook of mental health and we have the ability to do so. And it'll take work to do so. And we need to make sure that there's access. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my hope is that more boys will get therapy, more young children will get therapy like your daughters. Because yeah. you know what? Providing they have a good experience, mm-hmm. right? It, hopefully it's a positive one. Yeah. Right? Your daughter's for the rest of their life, when they have an issue, they're going to pick up the phone book. Well, no, they'll, they'll go on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. They'll pick up their phone. But they won't be shy about going and seeking help. Yeah. Well, yeah. they'll actively search for it wherever it, it's going to be. That's yeah. cool. So so what are some tips that you, or how, how do you coach women through anxiety and kids? And what are some things that we can do? Other than slow down, obviously, but that's not always feasible. It's not always a possibility, right? Well, one, show up for counseling. Yeah. <laughs> like, actually yeah. make the Do the work. Would yeah. be one, right? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest part is actually finding time for yourself. So even that one hour that you go to counseling, that's time for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, so I had, I recognized myself that I had a lot of anxiety. And uh, so at that time, I had all young children. They were all under the age of eight, I guess. I had five of them under eight. Wow. Uh, two of them were severely... Um, that had severe mental disabilities, uh, sort of like Down syndrome, but a different syndrome. So they'll always be four years old. So they required a lot of care, right? Getting them ready in the morning. And then I had the other kids. But I remember I would get up and I'd be like, pull your pants up. You didn't put a banana in your knapsack. Uh, you know, you forgot your homework. And I noticed we had this, this Newfoundlander, Molly. She's a beautiful dog. And she would, I saw her one day, she was like creeping to the laundry room when I came out of the bedroom. So I was like, Wow, the dog can feel my anxiety. Wow. So I started, I thought to myself, working with my counselor, what's something that I could do for myself every day, once a day? And I always wanted to play the piano. Mm. So I signed up and I take a half hour to this day, it's 12 years later, I take a half hour lesson every week. But every morning when I get up and I, when I come out to the bedroom, I actually go to the piano with my cup of coffee and I sit and I play. Wow. Wow. That's cool. And so at the end, I mean, this started with Hickory Dickory Dock, but yeah. anyways, I got the claps at the end. Yeah. Yeah. But what I noticed was the dog came out of the laundry room and oh. sat under the piano. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Because your energy was your energy calm. shifted. That's and very cool. Yeah. yeah. So to I this day, that. that's just something that I do for myself. And, or if my husband was like, oh, you take the kids to the dentist this day on Tuesday at 1130. I'm like, nope, that's my time. Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing is really recognizing that you need time for yourself. Yeah. For women, whether it's a yoga class or a massage or reading a book or making a coffee date, doing something like you ladies are doing, getting together once a week with friends, doing something that you love. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Just finding, I often say, go to the community rec center and look at whatever classes, sign up for one class. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like something that brings you that joy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah, try something yeah. new, learn, yeah. meet new people. Yeah, I love that. Get out of yeah, your house. What about for kids? What would you, how do you coach kids with anxiety? And I mean, I'm sure it depends on their age group, but what are some things? I guess it's also just letting them have time, a break, right? Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I think for kids, it's about talking about their feelings. Yeah. 
right? Being able to say things that they think in their head that they don't have the ability to say in the classroom or to their parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's the one space that they can come to and they can speak. I allow swearing. They can take their shoes off. You know, we could go for a walk. We can do whatever we want, but there's a therapeutic relationship there that they can talk about. I say, this is the place you tell your secrets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it won't get back to mom. And it won't get back to mom. Yeah. And I even coach the parents on the first intake session. So I'll, I'll explain informed consent, which is, you know, we can talk about anything that we want. You can tell me your secrets. I say it in front of the parents, except if you're hurting someone, someone's right. hurting you. Yeah. The spiel. But then I say it to, uh, to the child, the parent in the room, I say, and at the end of the session, just so you know, if we want to share something with mom or dad, we will share it. But just so you know, when you get in the car, mommy and daddy are not going to ask you about what we talked about in this session because this is our time. Yeah. So I sort of discreetly explain that because I would have done that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I sent my kids to counseling and they got in the car, I would have said, what did you talk about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did that, uh, but I knew that, you know, if she, if they wanted to tell me, I didn't push. I'm like, oh, did you have a good session? Yeah. Well, what did you guys talk about? Oh, we talked about Jaju. I'm like, okay. Anything else you want to share with me? Nope. Okay. And that's perfect. That's and perfect. And that's it. That's yeah, because I want to make sure. The only thing I would want to know is that if there's something that I could be doing at home to support them, because then I'm not privy to the conversations, right? Yeah. So yeah. then I'm still in the dark. So I don't know what I could do to support them. Like, how do I go about, you know, because so, we're not, I'm not working with the yeah. child counselor, but I would love to know some tips that my child needs because now they know what, the child needs, yeah. but oh, I don't question. know what the child needs. So I'm going about my life, do, 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 doing yeah. the same thing, but maybe I need to change and do something to support them at home. Yeah. So to answer that question, because we, um, we actually, so our specializations with the clinic are play therapy, but we also deal with high conflict and divorce and separation. So we have found in our practice that it's very difficult because moms and dads who are divorced, they want to know what's going on with the counselor, but we want to be very respectful of the privacy stuff. But what we do, and it's it's a policy that we came up with, I can't say that every counselor will have this in their practice, but it's ours, is usually after the second or third session, we'll send an email out to the parent that's mm-hmm. very brief with the child's consent. The child will know that there is a brief email going out mm-hmm. that will talk about the themes and make the recommendations. Okay. So we'll talk offline about that, but that's a great way. Yeah. Too, because that's my biggest thing, right? Like, yeah. so I get it that they're, you know, I was talking to Kate, who's seeing the psychologist, because um, we had her before, you know, Lisa moved her practice here. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. Oh, we talk about the anger monster. Okay. So now I know she's dealing with some anger stuff. Because I'm now, you know, she told me this is what they're talking about, yeah. but I don't know anything else. So how can I support my child? Yeah. So that I don't bring out this angry monster, right? <laughs> right. Well, maybe you can learn maybe from the I angry could be, monster. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I could be the, you know, maybe I have an angry monster too, which I know I do because I'm dealing with a lot of anger right now. Um, but yeah, like just having those, you know, kind of piecing the the puzzle together yeah you yeah know, so there's a, a missing family. link there. there's a missing so you haven't gotten quite that far but no there will be an update and I'll, yeah we'll talk offline about that yeah. but you will get that support and the recommendations yeah. for sure because i'm not getting it from the other so you know we're gonna definitely pull i'm, I'm taking it slowly with kate because she did bond with right 
her, her doctor. Yeah. Um, but again, like I don't, it's not that I don't see the value because I don't see, and like I do a little bit, like I see, but I don't know anything. So now yeah. I'm completely in the dark. So I feel out of place. I feel, I don't know how to communicate with my child because I don't know what's, what's, what's going on. Yeah. I find that interesting too, because sometimes people say, oh, well, what is this? What are they getting out of there? They're just talking for an hour. But first of all, with kids, it takes a while to develop that relationship, at least three to four sessions. Um, but what you'll see as a parent is you'll see a change in their behavior, mm-hmm. Right. You'll see, yeah. you'll see that they're happier or that they're less angry or that they're dealing, or they're getting out of their red zone quicker, whatever that might be. But there is a lot of value that's going on in that therapeutic room that you realize mm-hmm. that just sitting and playing a game. And, and it's all very intentional, right? Yeah. So I'll give you a little example. So uh, we have something that's called sand tray. So it's a box with sand and you have all these little figurines and you, you, you get... You use the figurines as a way for the child to tell their story. And many oh. children could be nonverbal or they're young. They don't have words, right? <laughs> so uh, so I said to this one uh, little girl, I gave her a bunch of animals and I said, okay, put the animals in the box and explain to me who your family are. Well, she took she took the, the bear, the mama bear for mama, right? She took the lion for the dad and she took, say, the mouse for the brother, well, you can pretty easily tell the dynamics of that family based on the figurines that they chose. Yeah. Mm, right? Gosh, that's fascinating. Yeah. And what about if the child buries the lion underneath the sand and puts the mama bear on top? <laughs> oh, is there some yeah. domestic violence going on? Right, right. right. But that's so, so fascinating. Yeah, it's very fascinating. Wow. And it's because it's there. It's not even conscious. It's just we're just yeah. doing. You asked a simple question, and this is how I feel. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Playing with the dollhouse. Oh, where's mommy and daddy during the day in the dollhouse, right? Daddy's outside mowing the lawn, mom's in the kitchen. Oh, they're never sitting together watching TV. Like there's questions that you can ask. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite eye opening. And so mm-hmm. these therapists are trained. They're play therapists that are trained in a certification. Mm-hmm. So th- there is intentionality behind the interventions that we use. That's fascinating. That's cool. Fascinating. Yeah. Truly. Um. Yeah. So, and so with kids, do, so you deal primarily with children or do you deal with- We're everybody. We're everybody. everything yeah. and everybody. Um, now we have our niches. So, so myself as the owner of the clinic, that's, I, I love working with kids and advocating. And then Marianne does the high conflict stuff, but everything in between. We actually have about a hundred counselors that work for us now. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. We, in Langley. Uh, and Lang- and between Langley, Langley, Kelowna and virtually. Wow. That's yeah. remarkable, Lisa. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And uh, I think I hired 56 people last year. Wow. wow. It's just, yeah, it's just grown tremendously. The need is there. And also the access, because remember we talked about those extended health care plans, they're accessing them. Right. Um, and more and more programs uh, like nonprofits. Um, there's an organization here in, in Kelowna, uh, Childhood Connections. So they have um, a program to offer counseling for kids. Uh, so they're, they're an agency here in Kelowna. So we got the contract to help deal with that. But that's what we're seeing. We're seeing more uh, basically government grants mm-hmm. or organizations that are independently wealthy that want to invest. They're actually donating a lot of dollars towards mental health. You have Brilliant. to look for the grants, but yeah. they're available. Yeah, that's wow. awesome. Very cool. Awesome. Um, and so with kids, we were talking about, um, so it's in kids, it's a lot of anxiety that lot we're seeing. Yeah. 
And so what, this is a hot topic that we had touched on, but what is your opinion and your view when it comes to screen time and things like that? Because our world is very busy. And I know my kids personally, I have an 11 and 12 year old and um, they are better with less screen time for sure. But yeah. unfortunately, you know, their friends are all, I mean, it's a, it's a hard situation, but what are your personal thoughts on that? Well, actually it's interesting because we had a situation come up. So I have a She's 15, my daughter. Uh, she is uh, diagnosed neuro- neurodiverse. She has ADHD and a learning disability. So she's 15, but she's more like 12, right? Okay. So she's always on her phone and she's always trying to fit in and she's texting people. Um, but we took her phone away <laughs> for uh, as a punishment anyways. <laughs> and she was upset about it. But then when we started to dig a little deeper on what was on the phone, what we figured out is that she was say like super texting people, annoying those other girls. And they were being mean back, bullying back because they were just trying to get rid of her because she was annoying. So, and we saw this repeatedly and we saw her send uh, photos of herself inappropriately. Um, So when we took the phone away, yeah, she was upset for a few days, but we put her downstairs and put a desk there and she had to do homework after school. And she sat beside my husband for the few hours after school. Well, all of a sudden we took the phone away and she was like a totally different kid. Mm. Wow. She was happy. Yeah. And then I thought, oh my gosh, this little girl was being treated unkindly all day long, not by her fault because she doesn't know about the social cues, right? Right. But being constantly being trying to be fit in by texting people, over texting, and then shutting her down. Aw. Right? So imagine what she had to live with every single day. Yeah. It's a lot. And not, and not, having the 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 wherewithal to know to put it down. Yeah. To get away from to the get abuse. away from it. it goes That's so right. addictive. Yeah. Right. So quickly, when you touched on so um, that's interesting because I know with my daughter, and this is something I had to have the awareness myself, my expectations based on her age are very I have to check myself sometimes. Yeah. Because I don't know that chronologically, mentally it's the same. Yeah. Right. And so um, so that was a really big insight that sometimes, you know, we, our expectations or things that I think maybe, yeah. um, would be, so that was a good insight. Um, so my question to you also is, this is what pops into my head. And this is a question I ask all the time to a lot of my clients that are teachers. What, when it comes to bullying, that's yeah. something most of us have dealt with. I know I had high school bullies. That's kind of a thing that goes on in life. But my question always is, is where's the parents or where do the parents, like how do some parents not know that your kids are the bully? Because I feel like a lot of times the kids yeah. are the bullies. And even particularly with my daughter, you know, some of the kids that, and I've seen the texts that have gone back and forth with arguing. And I think, oh my gosh, what a monster. And then when I met the kid in life, I thought that sweet little peanut was this person. <laughs> And I also think there's a lot of power in the texting. Sometimes you can have a big, big set on you when you're not in person. But what happens? How do the parents, where's the, where is it lost there that the parents, your kids, this tornado at school or this, you know, person that's wreaking such havoc and at home, you have no idea. What would you say to that? Like, where where does that happen? Yeah, it's interesting because when you see the language that they're using and how they're treating other people, even if you read your own kids stuff, you're like, wow. You know, and I think... There's no easy answer there. I think just being more involved, right? And knowing and seeing the conversations, but it translates not only for kids, but for adults. But so you can, we, we, we do text people, right? We hide behind our computer screen. We say things we wouldn't normally say. Yes. Or what about this? I get in trouble all the time because I have ADHD and I don't say, hi, how are you? How's your dog blue? I'm like, give me this, (laughs) right? So 
the way you talk and the way you come across on, on online is not maybe exactly who you are or what you mean, right? right? There's different connotations. Yeah, because yeah. you're no longer, you don't see the cues, yes. the yeah. visuals. You you create a story based on what you're reading and now your perception of what somebody says. Yeah. Their intention might've been completely different, yeah. but that's how sometimes fight yeah, yeah. start. And yeah, you just, you don't know because... You weren't there. You know, yeah. it's just a text, right? And you may have not say, oh, give me this. It's like, oh, you know, in yeah. your head might be like, can you get me this? So, so this but- <laughs> goes back to the psychopathology because how we look at things, um, sometimes we all perceive things as the way we grew up. It's the way our mind works. So right. do we look at things as black or white? Mm-hmm. Is it all or nothing solution? Uh, or all or not, you know, you look at a problem. So how you perceive issues that come at you are influenced by your mental thinking, right? If you're right. a negative thinker, positive thinker. So just like you said, you're mm-hmm. you're creating this story in your head, but that person doesn't mean what they mean. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I think that's 99.9% of the challenges yeah. in our yeah. world is that the way I took something, the way you said it, and but you didn't mean it that way. And I'm insulted and now I'm angry because I thought you said it. And you're yeah. just like, I'm just asking you for the paper. I didn't, I'm not angry. I'm not anything, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess my question more so was, I guess what I'm curious about is, you know, because we all, I, I know now, we all know that people that are being bullies usually are hurt themselves, Yeah, right? They're suffering with their own. So would you say that in your practice, let's say kids, for instance, do you get more of the bullies in your practice or the kids that are being bullied? And is there the awareness that those, those in fact, kids that are hurting others are hurt or is it, are they in It's your- more the, the kids that are being bullied. Yeah. Because the bullies don't know that there. they've been hurt. Yeah. Right. Right. Or they are just acting out what they see in their own home. Right, right. Right. So do you think with the kids that are the ones that are bullying in school, the challenge might be the parents at home that are not aware of what that, you know, do yes. you think there's no awareness in the parents as yes. well? Well, because the parents are probably suffering. Yeah. Right. Or let's just say it's a divorced family, right? Mom and dad are always fighting. The yeah. kid lives in two different homes. How do, how then do you keep an eye on what your child is doing mm-hmm. when they're going back and forth between two homes and you're fighting with your ex-husband and you're trying to pay the bills because yeah. you're a single mom or single dad, yeah. right? So it's that. And then the non-communication between the parents, because I'm telling you, <laughs> everybody thinks, oh, I'm going to have a great divorce. I'm going to get along with that other, with their partner. It never happens. Really? Down, down the line, there's going to be an issue and there's always conflict. Is that right? I think that you're right. That's there's a large because I once heard something and it stuck with me is that it's kids are not traumatized by the divorce themselves. They're traumatized by how the parents treat each other and act through the divorce. Yes, it's not the divorce per se that the kids are challenged by. It's the treatment and how it goes down. It's the parent alienation, which which is actually a very new term for us in our Canadian legal system. It's been around for a while in the United States, Uh, and so the courts are changing actually. Um, their rulings and their demands from parents because parent alienation has been huge, mm-hmm. particularly against men. So meaning that the the moms are not letting the kids see it. The moms are creating a lot of problems for the for the fathers. Yeah. And it happens both ways. I, I went through parent alienation where my ex-husband was brutal and tried to convince my daughter that I was a horrible person and yeah. eventually got her to move out of the house at 13 years old. I lost my daughter at 13. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I heard one said, like in a divorce, parents need one. I think it was a psychologist who said this, but um, they need one 
reasonable adult in an unreasonable situation yeah. to help them through that. Would you say that there's truth in that? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And they're the protector. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes you have to give up a lot of yourself, the arguments you're saying, what you wanted for yourself for the betterment of your kids, right? Mm-hmm. To be the better person, to not say, the reason why your dad does this because he's a jackass. Yeah. But you don't say that. Yeah. Because that, that's the torment. That's exactly what we're coming back to. Mm-hmm. It's not the divorce. It's how the parents treat each other. Yeah. It's the child having to choose all the time or try mm-hmm. not to choose. Right? So how the do torment you, yeah. between yeah. them. So how do you deal with that, right? That when one parent is constantly feeding the children or child um, something, and then the kid is spewing it back at you. How, like, how do you deal with, like, I know, like, how do you deal with that? Cause that, that hurts. It does hurt. Like it hurts. Right. So you're still being the better person, right? You are being the better parent and they, they'll figure it out later down the road when they're much yeah. older, they'll see it. Yeah. And then I suggest that you go see your counselor. Yeah. Use the money for that instead of spending it on the lawyers. Yeah, for sure. I wish our, uh, I wish our legal system got, got a little better handle on that as well, because unfortunately that doesn't always go that way. You know, yeah. as you know, sometimes what do you do when those poor kids are with the person that is, you yeah. know, that you're like, you're trying to be the better person, but really, you know, so I wish I, our, our legal system got caught up a little bit in that. And I think for me, I remember when I, when I first got divorced, you know, I was like, oh, okay, solve the problem. But I didn't realize in that moment that I would lose access to my daughter 50% of the time, 50% mm-hmm. of Christmas, 50% of birthdays. Yeah. Right. So that was a huge loss. Oh, for sure. For for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, cause they're, you're losing that whole tradition and the, yeah, I would say my, my mom, I think one, th- not one thing, mom, if you're listening, but she's <laughs> done many things right. But one thing that I think my mom did well, my parents got divorced was that my dad was like, he was so angry and he was always making comments about my mom, like not nice comments. And it was very hard as children for us to listen to that. But my mom never said a bad word about him. Like, I I mean, in her adulthood, she's, you know, maybe said things that frustrated her at that time. But as children, she never said he's a horrible person. She would just say, oh, well, you know, that's how he's showing how he's upset. Or she would validate that and then just like, and not get into it with us. She'd just be like, you know, and, and I think she did that well. Because we didn't feel that from her, yeah. that anger. But and even for you to be able to tell that story today, that reflects a huge amount on t- in terms of how she dealt with the situation. Because if I were to ask you how your dad dealt with that, your answer would be very different. My answer would be very different. Yeah. And you probably have a lot of <laughs> anger and resentment from your early childhood. And so a lot of the things that happens in our early childhood, particularly before the age of eight years old, actually defines our personality. Yes, who I we are and who we become and our characteristics and our flaws are defined before eight years old. How crazy is that? Yeah. That is crazy. I'm it scared. also makes I'm me looking... feel like we, we, <laughs> oh we wreck our kids, that. right? <laughs> and I'm like, damn it. it. It's over. Goodbye, Charlie. I give up. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Oh, and the things we project onto them without even realizing, right? Like, yeah. oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, but God. But they're, they're going to go to therapy. Yeah. There's yeah. counseling. Yeah. There's therapy. Through. Yeah. So, and also in terms of the legal system, so things are changing. So for example, what's kind of cool about us is that we do mediation. So you can come to us and resolve a lot of the issues and get it covered through your 
for your extended health or whatever, because we are registered clinical counselors, but do the work I love in that. the high conflict mm-hmm. stuff, right? I like that. Like you know, in the, the different things that are up there now, like you're saying exactly that, the mediation, not making it so there's going to be conflict, but yeah. not as high conflict, figuring out how to talk to your kids about it and try to be adults. Yeah. So our high conflict team was so cool. So we look at it from a family system lens. Mm-hmm. So you might have a counselor all within our clinic. Uh, you'd have somebody seeing mom, somebody seeing dad, somebody seeing them as a couple, somebody mm-hmm. seeing the kids. Very cool. And then you have the clinical director, Marianne, who oversees the whole program. And we all talk together, the counselors. So we do a case conceptualization about the whole family. Mm-hmm. So we're able to see some of the barriers mm-hmm. or you know some of those red herrings. Uh, and then we can come back with a plan. And so we're finding that it's very, very successful. So... We know when people are going to get divorced, like you said, there are going to be issues. Let's be proactive. Let's work together as a team. Oh my gosh. Let's have that support system. Yeah. So that is now, so that what's happening is when we, when it's going to the courts, the courts are bringing in the the mental health piece. So that's been missing, right? Because it's all legal. Mm. So now the judges and the lawyers, they're being trained in mental health. So there's a huge push for that so that they come at it from that lens because we're people. At the end of the day, we're people. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. First and That's foremost. Awesome. Yeah. And probably I would say with our divorce rate where it is and skyrocketing, I love that there's a mental health piece in there because it is such a, it's all, it's all encompassing, right? It's all a large part of it and yeah. to be able the, to do that gracefully. Yeah. And the program like that just blows my mind because yeah. you know, we do it individually. Sometimes you, you know, you don't want, but to have the whole family and then everybody gets their own because mm-hmm. then you have that your safe space and then, you yeah. know, you come together for a plan. I think that as a whole is what's missing in, you know, therapy because you can only do yourself, but if you yes. constantly have somebody. Yeah. If you had that person that would have said to your dad at that time, there's a rule. We we all agree. You don't talk disparagingly about that other parent. Mm-hmm, exactly. Right. And he got the coaching from somebody that he respected versus from your mom. Who hate? Who particularly? Yeah. Perhaps hated. Right? Didn't want to work with. So yeah, I think that that can be really impactful in changing the outcomes for children. What I also find interesting is that when we looked at, so we were in Langley and we wanted to expand. Why we looked at Kelowna? It wasn't like I, I have a chalet up a big white and we go skiing, so it makes sense. But that's not why we did the second clinic in Kelowna. It's because we were getting a lot of phone calls from the lawyers in this area for really? high conflict divorce and separation. So when we had an opportunity to open up another location, we came here. And I wonder, I wonder, I don't know, but I wonder if we're experiencing more demand from this particular geographical area because people maybe from the lower mainland get divorced, have to split their incomes and come up here to buy what used to be lower cost housing. Yeah. yeah. So still kind of lower, but still crazy. But I wonder if we looked at the stats, I haven't looked at it, but yeah. I wonder if there's a higher incidence of divorced people in this particular area. Or more single moms. I wonder. Mm. Well, we know there's certainly a large gap of, you know, there's the there's a large gap financially of yeah. what goes on here. So I think some maybe are the remnants of, you know, the coming because it's a little cheaper and some that are still struggling to be here who were born and raised here or moved here at some point yeah. and are just... Um, and that, I mean, finances can be a large reason why people get divorced and things. I mean, there's lots of reasons, but it can be a, a big problem too. And that could be... Yeah. Maybe something to look at. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I love that. Awesome. Okay. Well, I feel like we need some fireside. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> questions. Oh, my gosh. Has I know. Is this the rapid fire, fire question? Rapid fire yeah. Yeah. I, I could talk to you for hours. It feels <laughs> yeah. like it's been five minutes. Um, okay. Rapid fire questions. So, 
a couple. So because we speak about uh, motherhood, tell us something that surprised you about motherhood that you maybe, uh, you know, we have an expectation versus reality going into motherhood. <laughs> what was something that maybe you expected <laughs> versus reality? How terrible I am at it. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you're not terrible. Well, Just, I what I mean, that. I guess, is about, you know, I, I because I had a child when I was 24 and then I had a child at 36. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really see the difference in my maturity. Mm-hmm. I see how selfish I was. And I still am, but I make a point of giving more as an, as an older adult to having a child. So that surprised me. It surprised me to see by having a child that how selfish I was. Mm. Yeah. Well, I love your honesty That's and good insight. insight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we all have moments where we probably are a little bit of that. Uh, tell me something you love about motherhood and something that maybe you have a little bit of a, a sore spot about. Oh, I love the joy. Like I love my my little guy, uh, Cable. He's uh, he's 11, he's turning 12 in a few days. But the the joy that he brings to me when he just comes and calls me mummy or hugs me, you know, to have that unconditional love that mm. person that that you know is always going to be there for you that surprises that surprised me uh and then what's the sore spot i wish that i could spend more time with them mm-hmm. yes they grow quite quickly yeah. you feel i mean i my disposition is that i am very busy and i like to do things so that's that's probably that selfish piece but there are times when i do have to work because i'm self employed i'm working all the time and i do feel guilty that sometimes i'm only half listening right mm-hmm. or half in, I'm mm-hmm. on my computer. Yes, yes, yes. But I'm not actually fully participating in my child's life. Mm. I wish I could do more of that. Mm. You're probably not alone there. I feel like, yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's one big one. That, yeah. The guilt yeah. Yeah, that we have because we are all very busy and mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like that. Well, and um, I think too, the flip side is because we heard this this weekend too, that um, these moms that, uh, thank you, these moms, um, you feel guilty when you're at, at home with the kids that you want to be out working or that you should be out doing your career. And then when you're at your career, you're feeling guilty. You want to be home with the kids. Yeah. So I think guilt is an undertone as it is, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, were you going to say something? Nope. I, I was just going to say that, um, well, if you were done. No, I have I one w- more rapid fire question, but go, go ahead. No, rapid fire. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, if you could give us one uh, resource, one book or a resource or mm, something that question. moms could turn to. Oh, like one or two or something. By far, the Brene Brown TEDx talk. Really? Just Google Brene Brown TEDx talk. The one, the first one that comes up. It's from 12 years ago, 5 million, five million viewers. That's the one. The Fallen Umbrella. Hey. Yeah, that yeah. one, that one, that one changed my life. Like there's some several different things that she talked about. Uh, so that's one resource for sure. By far, that comes to top of mind. Okay. Nice. Well, one might be just mic drop. That's all yeah, you need. That's, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> a mic drop. Mic drop. drop. Yeah. And, and, and actually, and, and listen to it with your spouse or your friends, or it's ah. a 20 minute video, but yeah. And then if you like what she has to say, she actually put out an hour. It's like that talk on steroids on Netflix. There's an hour talk. Oh, no, I didn't know thank that. Thank you. Yeah. I did not know that. It's cool. Okay, well, Noelle, I know we already talked about where you were, but we always just like to remind the listeners, you know, like where can they find you? If they do mm-hmm. want to book a session, are you on Instagram? Do they email you? Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's, uh, I would go directly to our website, yeah. crossroadscollective.ca. Uh, there's a link there. It takes you right to our Kelowna therapist. Um, and through that, you can email. We're on Instagram, Facebook, but the, I think just drop the it in, right the website. That's where you go and you'll just go down the rabbit hole because there's so much stuff. <laughs> yeah. There. yeah. Well, we'll put that um, 
on our site and stuff too. So yeah. yeah, thank you. And like I said, there's no access, there's no barrier. So anybody who calls, we do do an intake session. We ask questions, but anybody who needs help, we will get make sure that they get help. Oh, well, we love, love that about you, yeah. Lisa. Well, yeah. thanks so much for being here, Lisa. And thank yeah. you for all that you do to you and your team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're doing big work in the world. That's for sure. Yeah. Thank you. It was yeah. a pleasure meeting you all. Yeah. It was so great. I yeah. just wanted to personally thank you for everything that you've done for me and my family. It means a lot. So oh, very I love welcome. you so I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> Feel the love, people yeah. out there. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Until we meet again. Thanks so much for listening. Now we want to hear from you. So tell us what's going on in your world. What's what's working? What's not working? How we can support you? What are some good topics? And don't forget to follow us at Let's Not Sugarcoat It Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time. Bye. Bye. See you.